Hello, my name is Drew Favors. Welcome to the UW Film Club podcast. I am joined today by PJ Napke. Hello, hello. Um, and today we're going to be talking about The Deer Hunter. So I wanted to just start out kind of like how I always do by giving a brief summary for the film, um, which surprisingly is not very plot heavy. It's very character driven. Um, so a lot of the plot, it's just generally setting based. Um, so I could just start off by saying it's like about three three friends, Nick, Mike, Stephen, uh, and they just like are steel workers basically in Pennsylvania, and then it's the day of Stephen's wedding before they are shipped out to Vietnam, and the film kind of takes place over three acts, which is like before Vietnam, in Vietnam, and then when they actually return to Pennsylvania, or at least some of them. Um, but yeah, so... The first act is essentially a long wedding sequence with, of course, the steel mill shot in the opening, which is actually pretty cool. Um, and then you just sort of like see them living their lives, trying to make a good last day before they're shipped out. And then we get into Vietnam quite suddenly, um, and we see a village actually being bombed. And yeah. it's a pretty intense like opening to Vietnam. And so we see multiple depictions of like uh, well, we see an underground group. Do you want to start with just like we talk about the, like the first opening sequence, and then we can we can like move through the plot. Sure. Talk about each part of the film or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So like, do you so like the first part of the movie mm-hmm. is like the first like this day mm-hmm. where you know they all go to work at the steel mill. You know they're from like Appalachian, Pennsylvania, Western PA, like. It's sort of like this image of like it's kind of this thing that doesn't really exist anymore of like the ethnic American, ethnic white American working class mm-hmm. yeah. region. Like you know, they're all Russian Americans. You know, I, I find still, that there's like Slavic like, Americans and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, they're they still speak like they're still connected to a, a real culture. They you know, they it's a working class neighborhood, like presumably like union. Mm-hmm. type job type thing and I don't know this is something that would like would have resonated with people at the time you know um, and so you see like the characters J- Robert De Niro John Cazal mm-hmm. um, I think John Savage John Savage and uh, Christopher Walken mm-hmm. um, they're like the main guys and yeah they're all friends they all work in the steel mill they're all the same like Slavic American working class they all lived in the same place their whole lives um and one of them's getting john savage is getting married i would just say that like yeah this the we can talk about the wedding scene a little bit but i want to go back to what you said about how this resonated with a lot of people at the time because i think a lot of this movie is very much contextual for the time period for sure like incredibly contextual so a lot of the depictions of like working class people and vietnam Mm -hmm. are you don't really see that anymore in film. Um, and I think, like, the audience, which this movie, I think, made $50 million, which for a three-hour movie is not common. Um, or different at least audiences at the time, for dif- sure. Different they audiences. to do that. Yeah. Um, so I would say that uh, uh, this is also a movie that exemplifies how cinema and, like, audiences have changed, I would say, as it's well. It's interesting because, like, from what I've read, it's sort of, thought of as like one of the originators of like Oscar bait as a concept so like Ooh, if okay. you think about it yeah. like now we think of this like if you watch it back you think of this 
setting that he creates early on in like you know Pittsburgh area steel workers ethnic white working class type place mm-hmm. which you know something that has been you know something that doesn't exist anymore because of you know years of neoliberal economic globalization and such um, and so we see that that's like a historical thing that's interesting to watch now mm-hmm. but like at the time they'd be like you know average American watching this like this is my story so this is like you know Americana type thing that you'd see in an Oscar bait movie which is like you know it's interesting to see how like you know people at the time really loved the film and like mm. like so like when you look back on it it's like I don't know it's interesting to see how like it's sort of like a green book of its era but it's like in that type of realm where it's about like an American story that like an audience now would connect to I don't know well I'm I, okay I'm gonna be honest I'm glad you brought that up because I feel the exact same way I I, I really didn't like this movie a lot mm-hmm. as much as I've I've heard so much hype around it of course since it won best picture of course I mean yeah. I just I, I see what you mean by like it's a green book of its time and the Oscar bait trope just because it, it plays so heavily into the time period and like how audiences would react to it and what they would want to see Mm -hmm. like depicted on screen and i think that's again the reason why so many people were willing to go see it because they they thought it felt like a very real depiction but i think it missed out on a lot of stuff for sure and i think it doesn't so i would say my general opinions of it is like i have mixed feelings so like okay i think it's very well made and I honestly didn't feel the runtime, although I can understand why people would be like, yeah, this is like so, there's a lot of this that is just unnecessary. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't really think that. Um, I would say, um, like, I, I love the way that, like, you know, like the wedding sequence is, I thought it was really spectacular in that he doesn't, like, try, like, he just films a wedding and like films the whole thing it's super long like we see all the traditions everything they do like i don't know like he doesn't like there's not like a whole lot of dialogue it's just people like doing stuff and he filmed like um i definitely like had a lot of problems with the vietnam stuff um, right i yeah. thought it was unbelievably racist thank um, you <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But I definitely thought a lot of the performance was really good, and I think it shot really well. But and the but also the ending scene is atrocious. Oh, okay, okay. I think actually we will. I want to talk about that later, but okay. we kind of differ in that. I thought the ending scene, while it was bad, um, I think having like or uh, seeing it from two different time periods, like from now and then when audiences first saw it, mm-hmm. I think that's more interesting to analyze. Okay. Um, but I do want to talk about the wedding scene, uh, where it's not even a scene. It's literally like 40 minutes. It's like an hour. It's an hour <laughs> long. Um, yeah. So you see the wedding, mm-hmm. like they do the re- actual ceremony and stuff. You see them go from the wedding to like, you know, the reception mm-hmm. and they, you see everybody dancing, drinking and stuff for like 40 minutes that happens. And then, you know, all the boys go out. To the bar. After. The boys. And Robert Niro strips down completely naked and runs through the streets with his dick out. And you know, there's moments in there where they're like, you know, suddenly very solemn because they're like, oh, we have to leave this place. You know? mm-hmm. um, and that's sort of what he's trying to 
bring out, I think. It's not necessarily... Like, he doesn't... The problem with this movie is I don't think he has much to say about Vietnam, nope. except the fact that people had to go, like, sort of destroyed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Which yeah. is fair. That's true. Um, the problem comes with the way that he depicted Vietnam, yes. of course. Um, but yeah, so the, after they go to the bar... Which is a really good scene, by the way, because, like, you know, there's those really cool split diopter shots that happen. I agree. There. I um, agree, yeah. Um, and then it just hard cuts, too, <laughs> which is insane. Yeah, well, I, I I think overall some of the editing in the movie isn't great. Uh, but I thought the hard cut to Vietnam was kind of sudden, and I liked that. Yeah, um, no, it was very jarring for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to say that the bar scene, I think, was... You're right. It was what the director wanted to capture, but... It, the rest of the film like kept trying to, I guess, stretch out that message, but it just wasn't done effectively. Uh-huh. Like those moments where it's just them talking to one another, and it's like this like solemn air about it, and, like you can like kind of feel it. Which the acting in this movie is great. I actually really like the acting. Yeah. Um, but also, we should mention the movie is called The Deer Hunter because they go deer hunting. They do. Well. We can talk about some. Oh yeah, I scenes. forgot. They go deer hunting after the wedding as well. Yeah. Before they go. It was their uh, last thing. To which do. they filmed. Like, there's actual mountains in that area in real life, but, like, mm-hmm. they filmed that in Stoquamie here. Wait, me. really? Yeah. Which is, like, you know, because the mountains there don't look exactly like that. No, they, they probably have blasted. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, that was just an interesting fact. Really, but, um, I, I didn't know that. Well, because my, uh, the cinematography, I think, obviously, we, I, we love a good split diopter shot here. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. But it, it was pretty basic, I felt it wasn't like incredible. I feel like with a th- with a three hour runtime, which again, most movies it's not about the runtime, it's not about the plot. But I think uh, it could have lended itself to doing a bit more um, with just how complex the relationships in the film were. Um, uh-huh. So as basic as it was, you could say that its bare bones nature helped it. Mm-hmm. I would say that I think some of the best cinematography was in the mountains. I think uh, yeah, yeah. those are the most like tranquil and like beautiful sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, I want to actually want to go back to the wedding. I, I I do have problems with it because I think I, I I enjoy when a lot of films just take the time to like record. I don't know, just people sort of like doing whatever or just living like living living life, but. <sighs> It felt so, like, basic. <laughs> I don't know. I I think also some of the dialogue, you can't hear it, which is probably intentional. I just can never hear anything when they were talking. Oh, I think yeah. some of the some of the boys were, like, absolutely insane. Like, they're crazy. Oh, for sure, yeah. I'm, I just, I don't know why they act like that. Um, but if you want to talk more about the wedding, or we can move on to Vietnam. Because Vietnam, even though it's the shortest act, it's probably the one everyone remembers the most. For sure. Um, well, I would say, I guess, um, the reason why I liked it is just because um, it felt pretty, like, it felt sort of like a mixture of, like, Altman and Tati, like, oh, okay. like in that, like, Tati will have these long, drawn-out sequences where so much stuff happens that it creates this comedic scene, which mm-hmm. he's not trying to create a comedic scene, but then, like, Altman will have, like, the scenes where it's not so much stuff is happening but people are just talking over each other it's like a real place where like you know like you know movies that are shot in a bar and where you can like clearly hear two characters talking to each other it's not like setting up a sense of realism Mm -hmm. um 
where all of them will have dialogue of like everyone's talking over each other you maybe not are hearing everybody what, what everyone's saying but it feels very natural and it kind of heightens the energy mm. um, so kind of what I thought about that scene but then I, we, if we want to transition to Vietnam we can do that because um, it's just kind of it jumps right in for mm-hmm. sure Yeah. and I immediately was like okay this is kind of insane because the way that they portray <laughs> the Viet Cong is kind of how they kind of just have the Viet Cong do what we did in yeah. the movie um, whereas so like the opening scene is um, I mean I guess it's American it's bombing the village it is yeah um, but then there's like one Viet Cong soldier, soldier and you see him come in and he like finds the secret bunker where all the people the villagers are hiding out just mm-hmm. tosses a grenade in there and runs away yeah and then the heroic Green Beret Robert De Niro gets up and like lights on fire with a flamethrower that's, that's my problem like they depict the Viet Cong in such a Oh, an awful light, which... Hold on, let me just clarify. But, I mean, Robert De Niro literally torches him. Like, he sets him on fire. And yeah. we also, like, open up with Americans bombing the village. So it's like, they absolutely give no sort of villainy or, like, villainous nature to the Americans. Which, I some people are like, that's not the point, okay? I don't really care. It's also, so everyone's saying, it's not an anti-war film, and it's also not a pro-war film. I don't really care it just it didn't feel like it had any clear message besides having racist depictions of Vietnam it was Vietnam. a little like you know these poor American victims who were so mistreated in Vietnam which like I'm sure it was a very hellish time obviously but like you know like if you're a Viet Cong soldier like you would feel justified in brutally <laughs> killing these people who are there to just kill everyone who's in your country you know yeah um, but, and, like, you could say, oh, that scene is, like, fine if it, like, transitioned to, like, more, like, what we know of as, like, you know, Apocalypse Now Platoon type of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. But then the next scene is, you know, there's a big ambush. They get captured. Well, actually, one of the helicopters that lands has, um, presumably, they had been split up because Robert De Niro is now a Green Beret. Um, and, like, Christopher Walken and John Savage are not. They're just, like, regular privates or whatever. Um, They sort of reunite in that village, um, and then they all get captured together. Mm -hmm. And then the next scene is them in this insane torture scenario (laughs) where they're locked in this bamboo cage that's slightly submerged underwater, and they're gradually getting pulled up out of it, and North Vietnamese soldiers are forcing them to play Russian roulette. (laughs) I, I know that in an interview, the director was confronted about this scene, mm-hmm. and I think when someone asked what was this based off of, they literally said like they just made it up, like they had no, no, no. they had no basis for it. I thought they said, like, that it was real and he had footage of it, but he just like never showed like, never provided evidence for it because like repeatedly like, you know, like actual like Vietnam War reporters would be like yeah this like never happened mm-hmm. um, and it's not necessarily like everything you have to like base everything in exact historical fact or whatever but when you're depicting people in this way he kind of like you know they depict I would say that they the way that they depict the Vietnamese people in this film is like almost comparable to the way that like black people are depicted in Birth of a Nation honestly 
that were just like subhuman, like okay. violent yes. animals who like all they crave is violence, you know. Well, it, it it reminds me of like those movies in the fifties, like that came out after World War Two, where it depicted like the Japanese army as like not human, kind of yeah, like yeah. what you're saying, no, it, sure. it like almost inhuman, and really that's what bothered me mm-hmm. i'm like you give no life to these people except like oh they're just like they, they have only the capability to kill like they're not human like how yeah. could they do these sorts of things and i i was i was shocked yeah. <laughs> um especially for like how how uh praised this movie was or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know it's interesting because like i mean i know from reading about it at the time like there was some backlash of course because like I know people at the time can recognize because they were like, "Yeah, this movie is very racist." Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but like, so then from there, the film—it's interesting too, because like, this is like the first time a movie was made that's like about Vietnam. That's like we're gonna shoot on location and stuff. So like, I mean, it wasn't in Vietnam, obviously, but okay. it's like in Thailand. Um, so oh, I like, I think it's under it's. I mean, it's not necessarily understandable, but, like, you can see how people would be roped in by the fact that it's, like... Because it's very well made, and it's, like, super... Like, it feels super realistic because they shot everything on location, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, there's all these great actors and stuff, and, like, they're doing real stunts, like, when they eventually escape and are trying to get on that helicopter, and John Savage falls off. That was actually a really cool sequence. Yeah, they did that. Like, him and Robert De Niro, like, did that, like, 15 times and stuff. They were jumping into the river. 15 times? Like... So, like, it's it does a really job creating that sense of realism and stuff. Um, and I do think it does a good job because, like, right after that happens, they cut back to being, um, like, I'm pretty sure it, Well, they cut back to being... Or, no, they cut back to him in the hospital. It, it was Christopher... Yeah, okay. It, it was because Christopher Walken's the only one that actually made it onto the helicopter. And yeah. then uh, Robert De Niro and John Savage... John Savage broke his legs. Yeah. Um, and so he was carried out of the river, and so... We just got to the to the. It's not a VA hospital, right? Or like it technically is just like housed in Vietnam. Well, I think it's just a military hospital. Military, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I'm thinking of John Savage in the VA yeah. hospital at the yeah. end. Um, but I, I I don't I don't know. I think because th- this was by far the shortest act. I think everyone remembers the Russian roulette scene if you've seen this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the scenes shot well, but. I obviously have my complaints about it. Yeah. I mean, it's very intense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it like, draws you in. But the whole time, I was thinking, like, like, what is going on here? This is, like, I don't know. It's just insane that this is what they're, like... This is the crux of the Because this is 1978. Like, Vietnam ended, like, officially ended, like, three years ago at the time of this movie. So, so like... 1975? Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. That's when, like, it officially ended. Okay. Um, okay. And so, like... This is, like, it's, like, now. Like, something that happened, like, I don't know. It'd be, like, a movie made about you, Ukraine now. Like, okay. if you think about it in that context. Like, it's very recent in people's minds, and it's still, like, one of the, if not the, like, important political events of the current age for that time that it's made. So it's very insane that it's, like, like, and people, like, everybody, I mean... It's a little bit of a myth that, like, you know, there was this huge... I mean, there was, like, a huge backlash to the Vietnam War, but, like, the overwhelming majority of Americans were very much in support of it. Um, right. But, like, even in the people who were, like, against, like, who were for the war, like, 
understood that like it was a mistake I thought um, this film didn't even recognize that like at all yeah which is crazy cause like it's the first it's kind of the first Vietnam War film sort of um or at least the first like major like public consciousness one mm-hmm. and the fact that it's like I mean I guess maybe that's what a lot of people thought is like you know our brave boys were such victims in this war and war is like I mean it doesn't say like war is good or whatever but it's like these like violent evil Asians and their horrible like I don't know I just feel like for something for a movie like this that tries to push out such a strong message and not cast any blame and just be like oh it affects these people so much but not be like how it was such a useless war in any sort of way or fashion but just saying like it's all about the relationships and how much it changes you afterwards that bothered me yeah. I'm like <laughs> I mean it's like this is a time where everybody knows about Me Lai and it's like it's kind of shown that North Viet like the Viet Cong did Me Lai in the film and it's like not necessarily one to one but like it's insane that that's what this film is doing um but yeah, I don't know. That's definitely the worst part of the film. I don't know if we want to transition out of that part, but like... I mean, we can... Order. I'm not familiar with, with My Lai. I don't know whether... That... My Lai Massacre was like the famous... Definitely the... It's by far, by no means the only time this happened. But okay. Like when U.S. soldiers just went into a village and killed like hundreds of people just like to do it. And then okay. covered it up. And then Seymour Hersh, the famous journalist, actually came up with the story and like revealed to the public and there was a whole backlash and like there was like war crimes tribunals for American soldiers and like a lot of Americans like supported this, the soldiers who did it and stuff um, but yeah I mean very much in the public consciousness at the time um, I okay. encourage you to yeah, okay I yeah know, if I, I could talk a little bit more about like the context of American violence in Vietnam but like it but it I mean I think it's important, but it seems like the film doesn't even want you to know that. Yeah, (laughs) it's like doesn't doesn't even want you to care. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no context for what's happening. Like it's okay because like, well, you know what the Vietnam War is. Everyone watching knows what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Like they're just there, and then, like you don't have to set up context if you shoot it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to talk about what he's doing there, like why he he's all of a sudden in this village, you know. But he's um, he's a green beret though. That's like like the elite special forces. Ears type shit. Like they're killing people and cutting off their ears. Which I was I was surprised because that's like one of the highest ranking officials, which he gained so fast. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what he did. because he has like he's yeah. by far the most unaffected by the war mentally. This well, is Mike I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I'll say green berets not necessarily like high ranking. It's like it's like SEAL Team Six is like highest. Skill. I mean, yeah, but um, okay. So okay. like, you know, you didn't necessarily have to be in the army a long time to do Green Beret. You just have to, whatever. Yeah, but like, um, I wouldn't say necessarily. I feel like the le- the, uh, the the second part of the. Fa- I mean, he's unaffected. He's less affected in that like. The other two, one of the guys loses his legs, and the other guy goes completely insane. Yeah, but like, oh, I'd say Stephen also went. He also like Steven. lost his mind. Sorry, uh, John John Savage's character. Yeah, 
Well, because he lost his mind. Well, I guess he was he kind of had lost his mind already when you're in Vietnam. Oh gosh, yeah, it was it was in the pit especially. Yeah. He was just like you could see the breakdown yeah. visually, which, which he, he did he a great it, job. Yeah, um, and that's another thing about it is like you can see why people would get drawn in because of how it's a very actor driven movie, mm. and they have all the great actors, pretty much all the great actors at the time. Um, a lot of them, at least. Um, oh, it, it you was know, Meryl Streep's in it too. I had no <laughs> idea she was going to be in this movie, but I also found out she was like dating John Cazale. Yeah, at the that's kind of why she's in it. Yeah, um, that's the only reason. Yeah, and he had very sad had terminal cancer during the movie, and like everybody knew. And then he died like right when it ended, and he didn't even see the movie, which is you know, very sad. Yeah. Shout out to Natalia, our <laughs> number one John Cazale fan. Yeah, um, he is very good in the movie. Um, I think he has a very interesting role as like a guy who stayed behind. Um, he kind of does the same thing he does in every movie, which he's like the like sad loser kind of guy. Well, I, I but saw he's amazing at it. He is. No, I saw someone who talked about John Cazale and saying like he is the best actor to ever support other actors. Like he, For sure, yeah. like his entire role is to like be there to give more life to the main character but like mm-hmm. still recognize like his job is important yeah because he, he is John Cazal's a great actor yeah. but like also he I think he's named Stan as well right which is the same name of his character in the conversation oh is that right I think so I don't know but um yeah John Cazal he has like, an amazing sadness about him that's just like he doesn't have like he never acts sad mm-hmm. I feel like in any of his movies but like it's just like behind the surface and then like it creates his characters are always very pathetic, and they he's are, not yeah. acting that way. It just comes out, you know, which is essential to the character. Um, and I think he, I mean, he does an amazing job of that. Um, and like in this movie, he's like sort of the, he's like the dumb one of the friend group, kind of. Yeah, he um, get, he gets a lot of shit on him, especially like when um, I don't know, like whenever they do the the second hunting trip when yeah. like Rob De Niro points a gun in his face. Yeah, which, which was, apparently they use real bullets for that. Wait, he, wait, he put a real bullet in really? the chamber and like because they wanted to heighten the sense of like I mean they like he would check to make sure it wasn't the next to the chamber or whatever but that's he did put a real bullet in it ridiculous that's yeah. awful yeah um, I mean with everything with Alec Baldwin did I, don't know. I can cut that um, out just like I no, think no, that's no, pretty okay. fucking insane no it is I mean it's like you know it's the school of like those actors from the 70s like Pacino and De Niro they're like um, I mean because all was definitely a part of this too where they're mm-hmm. like I'll do anything for yeah okay yeah fair so yeah definitely part of that um but yeah i mean i guess now we can transition to i mean i think the scene so transitioning out of vietnam first we stay there's like a transition period out of vietnam where it's not the war part okay it's like christopher walken in the hospital and he's there's kind of an interesting scene where like they come up and ask him like because they're all like russian american slavic american like, oh, I, their okay. last name is it Russian? Um, which I thought was gonna go somewhere, but it didn't. I mean, not that it had to. Um, but I, actually, then, like, I actually liked it for that for that reason. The fact that he still asked him, like, "Are you Russian?" I yeah. thought that was a pretty great scene. I don't know. Um, and I, I mean, there's a great bit of acting from Walken there. He did win the Oscar for this. Oh, did he? I think he yeah. deserved it. Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor. Did um, well, did De Niro do it? Because he had the best performance for sure. Uh, he did not. I Whoa, really? One this year, um, yeah, I don't remember exactly, but because um. I think like his acting. I mean, always John Savage, like when he was like losing his mind. I think he did a great job, but 
when De Niro was like trying to like bring his like platoon on back to reality like like stay strong and stuff like uh-huh. in the Russian I thought that was like really good yeah like, really powerful I mean it do, the film does like a decent job of showing like the different ways in which it like the war like cause like De Niro represents like most veterans I feel like they come back they don't want to talk about it and yeah. they're like they just like push down and then they're like they're like you know it's like it's a story that we know we're very familiar with now because so many movies have been made about like the soldier PTSD type thing. Yeah, this um, is one of the first few though that I no, think, I like, think had it a is, feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he's like, you know, I gotta get out of here type thing. Like, <laughs> I gotta go be alone. Like, like, <laughs> oh, I can't shoot the deer anymore um, because I don't like whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, so he represents that, and he's a great actor. So like, there's like moments like. Like when he first gets to the motel, and he's just there's like a two minute scene where he just sits there like by himself. That he doesn't really emote, but like, it's him doing his thing. It, it, yeah. it, you can just say that. I mean, honestly, it's just him like being very like minimal in his movement. Yeah. But he's and he's he, like, telling a he lot. He covers his eye where like in the, in the scene of Vietnam, he has like a huge gash over his right eye. I don't know oh, okay. Oh, so, I don't. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like it kind of like gives the implication that like you know that that's what's on his mind, but they don't have to like say that. So like. They do that, like, like, they do that well, for sure. And before, and we're kind of jumping around a lot, and I know. It, it's like, fine, it's fine. Before they leave Vietnam, there's, like, the scene where they're about to go home. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're just walking around the streets of Saigon and stuff. And they end up in the, um... Oh, the gambling den. Crossing paths in the, the Russian roulette gambling den. I don't, I don't know why this was such a, like an important part of the movie like is it it came up so many times um well I've, it's like trying to like create this metaphor of like random violence or whatever like like once once you're in this situation like it becomes the only thing that you can relate to I guess um okay I, I guess with Christopher Walken's character that makes more sense yeah and I don't know it's, it's definitely a little ham-fisted like um like so, yeah. Chris Walken finds this game. Like he finds this French guy mm-hmm. in a French game. Like it's interesting too, because like it doesn't do as good of a job um, as Apocalypse Now, but like it all. Apocalypse Now also had that sequence where it like connects it to the French colonial period that was before this um, oh, in okay. the Redux. I see um, what you're saying. They cut it out in the normal version. Um, but, uh, We're talking about like the the gambling den, like his first encounter, like with like like how it's a popular game or it's a popular form of gambling mm-hmm. in Vietnam at the time in this film. Yeah. And they had been separated again, Christopher Walken and Robert De Niro. And oh they yeah. Come across each other. Um, they don't meet but no. they like it, it was it Mike sees Nick. Mike is in the crowd, yeah. he's spectating and then he sees Nick uh, pull something where he like he watches someone do the game and then he grabs the gun pulls it on one of the contestants and then pulls it on himself. Both yeah. are, both, uh, or don't actually fire. Don't go off, yeah. Yeah, and then everyone gets, like, pissed off at him. And then he goes away with the French guy, because the French guy's like... This guy's insane. Yeah, you can help me make money. Mm-hmm. And he sort of disappears into the, you know, into the background of Vietnam, and he's now become a part of, like, sort of this... CD world that's of violence that's been created and he's only familiar with that now 
and Robert De Niro just sort of loses him in the streets. Um, and then it transitions to De Niro returning home. Um, he's like in his taxi and there's all these signs like, welcome home, Michael. And he's like, just drive past. I don't want to like, he goes, stays in a motel. Yeah. Leaves her hanging. Um, and I guess we just mentioned this before, but like Meryl Streep was with um, oh, Chris. Nick. Yes, yes. Nick, right. Christopher Walken's character. Um, and, like, before in the wedding scene, they were like, it seemed like they were very much in love and they were going to get married. And Robert Nero's character liked Meryl Streep a lot. Mm-hmm. But he was like, you know. Because well, she was, she was in love with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he comes back, and then Nick was AWOL. So, like, the the rest of the story is like her she's sort of like I mean I've heard different things about this because it's like her character is very simple obviously I heard she didn't even like doing the part she only did it to be with John Cazale yeah and like you can say it's just like you know it's about woman needing man sort of because like she's sort of filling the hole that's left by Nick See, it just Robert De Niro. As we're talking about it, like this is this is like my problem. It just feels like so simple. It just yeah. feels like like a very amateur like depiction and like take on all of it. It just doesn't feel very fleshed out. Uh-huh. Um, but I yeah, I mean Meryl Streep's character <laughs> very very simple. It's like okay, Nick's not here and I'm happy that Mike's back and so eventually they get together. Yeah. Um I do think there's a little bit more to it. I mean, like, okay. I've heard, like, I don't know if you've heard Karina Longworth. I've heard that name. She's actually Ryan Johnson's like wife, partner? partner. Okay. I don't know. But she has, like, a famous film podcast as well. Uh, anyway, she is, like, written that, like, um, she's actually an inter- in some ways an interesting character because, like, she, like, female empowerment is just, like, a foreign concept to her. So she's, like, she's, like, you know, an average lady from an average Amer- small American town okay and like subservience is the only thing that she knows um I I and see so that so if you choose yeah. to see it in that way it's a little interesting but like I can definitely like if you're like oh this character's just one of I mean it's a really great performance for sure um but like I mean it's definitely like a very dependent character this is just my interpretation from the first watch I obviously could see more to it if I go more in depth online like look at other reviews or just like even listening to how the actors like took to the movie yeah um and and when you say that it makes sense because the the town that they're in is very much like its own subculture like it's very much they're very in tune with themselves and isolated from a lot of the rest of the world Mm -hmm. um their only like connection to like anything like remotely city is just like the steel mill because yeah. uh, they're surrounded by industry in the, in the town. Um, yeah. And it's that, like, reality... That's kind of what we talked about at the beginning of, like, this reality of, like, a legitimate, like, regional culture that existed at the time. That, yeah. like, has sort of... I mean, it still exists to some extent, but it's, like, you know, as America becomes more and more homogenous, it's sort of, like, fading away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get all sorts of people who are, like like, wanting it to return and, like, you know... A lot of like conservative ideologies being like, but like you understand where it comes from, and like you know there was a real culture that existed, and now like it's sort of like everything is sort of leveled out, um, which is interesting to watch it from the perspective of now, 
versus then, where then would have been very relatable to a lot of people because, like, a lot of people would have lived in similar contexts, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know, like, any sort of, I don't know, geographic demographics for the film? Like, was it popular in these sorts of, like... Oh, I I don't know for sure. I mean, I know, like... I know Union... Okay, sorry, go ahead. The interesting thing about that time period was, like, the types of movies that made... lots of money in the 70s were like often a lot of the highest grossing movies were like the ones that won best picture you know like the audiences were it's on it like people talk a lot about like you know movies used to be better now like back in the day and to some extent like there's some truth in that but a lot of it is the audience like yeah I agree it's what audiences are willing to sit through and what they want to see um and so, like, you know, movies like The Godfather were blockbusters in yep. the 70s. And so, I mean, like, I don't know exactly what $50 million translates to now, but, like, I, I'm, I don't I'm sure it's, like, 100 million <laughs> or something like that. Um, I mean, but I, I see your point, though, because this, this, this film was definitely, like, made probably to be in the Best Picture category and to bring people to come see it. Another interesting thing is actually, like, the first one where it's, like, it released for like a week in the end of December so that it could qualify for Oscars. The, this, this, this film? Yeah. Okay. And then it didn't, and then it used its Oscar buzz to release wide. Okay. Which is like a common thing now, you know, people know about that now. Like a lot of movies that like get nominated for stuff will come out like at the very end of the year and like just to get eligible for nominations and then like the beginning of the year is when they're actually released, you know? Yeah. When everybody else goes and sees it, um, and this was the first movie to do that, which is interesting. Uh, no, that is interesting. I, I would say I saw someone complaining. Like there was a very angry review about this movie because someone was like, audiences just don't see the same types of movies nowadays. They'll sit like through an hour and a half of like Disney trash, something like that, instead of committing themselves to three hours of this. Mm-hmm. But I think the mindset is the same of like people wanted to go see it because it was oscar buzzworthy but this is like the entire like united states this is not just like people who are into film or whatever i don't know i i and also i yeah i think a lot of the the better movies or like the movies that are much more up for nominations are released in december and a lot of the the worst ones are released like the beginning of the year and stuff Uh like that yeah um there's like this tug and pull a little bit between him and between robert de niro's character and meryl streep where like she both wants to fill the hole that Nick not being in her life has left with Robert De Niro but also like you know is very clearly very sad that he's not there and like feels a longing um and then Robert De Niro sort of had always liked her but then he also like feels this distance from where he lived like he even says like I feel this distance Um, yeah um and so like I this is the this is the point in the story where he's like trying his best to reintegrate himself back into where he was, but he's he's never gonna be the same. Yeah, and like I think the the most obvious the the biggest example of that is when they go deer hunting again. Yes, and he's yes. like he's out doing his thing because he's like you know the first time they show him he's like the guy he's like super into it he's the one who always gets the kills. Yeah, so. one one shot. Yeah, one, one shot. shot. He's like chasing a deer. He comes upon it. Got the angle, he could kill it, and then, like, he, like, you know, pulls up, 
At the last second, it misses. Yeah. And him and the deer, like, have a moment. I can't remember what he says. He says, like, okay. He, like, repeats okay over and over again and then yells it over a waterfall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... And John Cazal wrestles a deer in the lake. <laughs> yeah. John Cazal ends up giving the kill. He does. Is, yeah. That's kind of cool. He, he also gets with Angela... Well, we can talk about with, with Angela in the end, but, like, he is, like, courted. Is it the same actress? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same one who was with John Savage's character. Oh, okay. I didn't even pick up on that. I was I just shocked. It was a different woman. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was like totally because it wasn't the same person he hooked up with in the like the the bowling alley. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Angela who was like okay. catatonic in yeah. her bed. So keep keep going though with the deer yeah. hunting scene. So he misses the shot, but presumably he's like, yeah, like this, like he just his old life is not hit for him anymore. And, you know, that becomes very intense in the next scene where they're all staying in the cabin. And he's like, like, John Cazal's character has this little gun that, like, everybody makes fun of. And, like, there's no, we don't really know why he has it. He's just, like, has it. And, like, Robert De Niro, who's, like, very seriously faced violence over and over as, like, like, new perception of it and just, like, goes off on him you know, puts a bullet in the gun and puts it at his head and shoots, like, it doesn't go off, but, like, you know, his friends from back home have now, like, see how this war has affected him, and so, like, the veil is off. Yeah. Um, and now, like, for the rest of the movie, they, they see him pretty differently, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah, well, the entire time, like, he's back, they're, like, trying to, like, return to their, to the way they acted before, yeah. but it's just never successful and yeah. this is like finally the time where they realize that like you said I just think um, how, do, how do I say it's like it's not the random violence thing it's where there's almost a desensitization to violence like because what what Robert De Niro did to John Gazal I think it's Stan or Stanley or whatever what he did to him is like absurd he pointed a <laughs> gun at him yeah. in like he randomly shot like there better not be a bullet here yeah. and then finally he didn't uh, he pulled the trigger again and then it shot so he was one one uh, uh i guess one bullet in the chamber away from yeah. actually killing his friend um and they don't react that harsh to it either they're like why would you do that it's like you wouldn't be freaking out i don't know i think they were scared they probably were scared i don't know it's just th- this this is one of the the moments I actually did like the most yeah. in the film. <laughs> yeah. I think it earns its intensity in a different, like, in a much better way than the other Russian roulette scenes. I agree. Like, I thought that was more intense than, like, yeah. anything else. <laughs> because it's, like, it's him bringing back, like, everything that has changed him in mm-hmm. Vietnam to, like these people who didn't experience it and so they don't even know like these are like you know average americans like oh you know yeah we won the war type people they don't know what happened at all and so they're like he comes back and now they see this and they're just so shocked i mean i i guess you could say like maybe it would i, I don't know i mean they don't know how to react they're like yeah like, yeah that's that's, yeah, that's it's fair. interesting how they how they how they choose that yeah i mean I, again i have you can say whatever you want about the acting choices. I think some of the choices were weird, but overall the acting was amazing. Um, but I, I, I totally see what you're saying, and I'm glad you put it into words. It's like him bringing back everything that like, affected him, 
into this like domestic space which yeah. which that's more entertaining than like seeing what happened to them overseas but yeah. seeing how it affects other people that they know is much more dangerous because when you're contained over there it's people that you don't actually know but when it's yeah. people that he's close with exactly, and that, yeah, yeah. it's so much more uh, devastating yeah so that's that's something that i wish was Explored a little better in the movie, which I, I'm glad that the last ha- uh, the last act was the longest. I think that was a good choice, because um, it, it's 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 better to see how they're affected, um, even though we got like a very small portion in Vietnam. It it, it was like 30 minutes, right? It was pretty well, short. As long as the other parts were short. Okay, that's but that's it. Um, oh, and I think it, I mean it's interesting to see after that part. It's kind of like Michael like. He's trying to, like, fix everything. Like, he tries to go and get oh, John yeah. Savage from the hospital and bring him back. Like, and it's from there that he learns that, like, like he shows him this, like, drawer that's, like, full of $100 bills. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's not from Angela. That's from Nick. Yeah. Because he's the only one that knows that Nick, like, this is still around in, in Vietnam. Um, um, and then he's like, well, now I have to go get Nick. And so that's when he goes back to Vietnam and he's... Like, he knows Nick is, like, in the gambling den again. Yeah. So, like, there's this whole sequence of him finding the French guy, paying a bunch of money to get into the gambling den, where, like, now Nick is, like, the guy. He's, like, a He's a professional. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, visibly lost his mind. Like, that, okay, that is something I do want to talk about. I don't know whether it was, like, like the makeup team or whatever, or, like, yeah. he just, like, trained this, like, moment, but he, he like... looks insane. He... I was actually scared. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like, he doesn't have like crazy scars or no. like wearing strange stuff. I mean, he has like the red headband that they all wear, all the can, like players wear and stuff of the Russian roulette game. Um, but like, he just, I don't know, he looks like a junkie. No, he does. Well, I think I read on, I read it like the plot summary. Like he apparently he's a heroin addict. Christopher but like that was never shown in the in the film. I, there's, oh, in the film, his character is supposed to be. Yeah, not not his, like him as an actor, but oh, like yeah. uh, that explains like why his eyes were so sunken in, why he was so pale okay. and like so. Well, that makes sense. Like, for sure. Lost in a haze, but I mean, I didn't see that in the film. Yeah, but he either way, a, he has a definite like thousand eye, thousand yard stare or whatever. Like, oh my god, his yeah. eyes are so glazed over. He like has no idea where he is. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was probably. Besides the hunting scene, that was actually, like, the scene that I liked the most. Which, yeah. his death also ends very suddenly. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of time paid yeah. attention to that. It's oh. interesting, too, because, like, when De Niro first comes up to him, it's like, it seems like he he's, like, lost all sense of the world. He doesn't even know who he is anymore. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know, like, like he's like, say I'm Michael. Like, mm-hmm. say I'm Michael. Like, he's like, you're Michael. He's like, what's my last time? He's like, I don't know. Why would I know that? Like, he doesn't even, like, he's so far gone that he would, he was, like, confused why this guy would even think that he knows him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then they play Russian Roulette um, together. Mm-hmm. And they both, right? Yeah, they both missed once. Um, and then he's like, don't do it again. Please, don't do it again. And this is where De Niro's acting is really good, obviously, because he's like, yeah. you know, I love you. Don't do this. Please. Yeah. Um, and... Like after he says that, you can like see a little bit of thing in him. He's like, but I'm. He's like, I'm too far gone. I just do this, and then he kills himself. Yeah. Well, he's, he he's his final words were one shot. He he reiterates what De Niro is like his policy for like using a gun or like shooting something or whatever. He's like one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But this to me is like the scene that solidified De Niro's like, okay, this is why he's so great. He's for some reason really good at the Russian roulette scenes. Um, yeah. And then Christopher Walken, of course, like this totally earned him that award. I don't know. And it's interesting because like juxtaposition with the Vietnam, like when he's in the prison. Because mm-hmm. like, well, prison. He's super, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's super aggressive and he's like, he's like trying to be like the big man because he needs to get them out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's like, Oh, and then in this one, he's like pathetic. He's like begging, like Christian Walken, not to do it. Whereas in the first one, he's like, you have to do it. Like, mm-hmm. you got to be a man. You got to be like a big guy. You got to do this. Uh, I don't know. Just an interesting juxtaposition. No, I, I didn't notice that before, but you're right. He almost like it is it's like taking on this like nurturing figure. Like, please don't do this. Like, yeah. this is not good for you. Because I think he's starting to recognize just how far gone like Nick is because I don't know I just can't get over his face it's like a really it's a really blank stare yeah no I honestly like I get why they were like well he has to get the Oscar for this just for how he looks in that scene I, I don't know I was like really <laughs> impressed because of like this guy is he's not even that's actually not human anymore like yeah. being forced to participate in games that he doesn't even care about anymore have you seen Apocalypse Now? no <laughs> It's it's like it's like a Colonel Kurtz type situation where this right. place has changed you so much that like you're just a different entity now. I mean, I read Heart of Darkness. I, I yeah, yeah. So you know Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was that was the okay. I have a complaint though. The lighting in like that entire sequence leading up to the gambling scene really bothered me because you couldn't see anything, mm-hmm. and then the editing was really choppy, and he okay. just like wandered into this this street that was on fire. Um, but I couldn't see anything, especially was in the hallway. That's a little side note. I was just very annoyed by that because I don't. I did think the shot where he's like they just get on the boat and they're on the river, and the explosions are like way in the background. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how they did that. Uh, I agree. That was uh, that was. It was cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely super. I, I get what you're saying. So. Yeah, it, it, it was it was like a one part that like really bothered me. It was like you know how in Solo, like that movie, there's like no lighting in that movie. It's it's fine, whatever. <laughs> I believe you. That's a really big sidetrack. I want to get back to it because um, I didn't think that was the movie that came up. <laughs> but yeah, um, and I guess like he was reaching the th- they were reaching the three hour runtime, and at this point they just really cut Nick's death short. Or it was probably intentional, just because like it was so sudden at this point. Mike's been through so much, right? I don't know because so like what do you mean like they don't show like him transporting the body back? No, no. It it was um I don't know. I feel like more attention was paid to the funeral than like Mike's reaction to the death. That's for I mean I feel like um it's like the ultimate culmination though, you know, cuz it's like it begins with a wedding and it ends with a funeral. Yeah, no. I think it's like, a fine plot structure yeah. as well. Um I would say okay, so now we're basically at the last scene. Which yeah. The last scene is like all the remaining guys who are left you know mm-hmm. John Savage's character is back yeah he um, is they all go to their bar after the funeral um, Meryl Streep's there too and like they're like um, they're all very sad mm-hmm. and they're like let's eat breakfast together um, and they start like I mean like I would say it was weird that it was like but they do sing in earlier scenes so it's not weird that they start singing but like they start saying God bless America um, right, that's what they say. Yeah, they sing God Bless America. Yeah. Um, and at first I was like, okay, this is like, you know, like, 
ironic. God bless America. Like, man, this sucks. <laughs> but then, like, as I kept watching it, I'm like, this feels really earnest. <laughs> like, I think yeah. they really mean it. Like, and from what I've read, they're like, oh, this film's meant to be apolitical and stuff. So, like, I, I it literally makes it feel like they're really doing that. I didn't understand what the intention was by the inclusion of or like what was the director's intention i think like putting it in there is fine but i don't think it was put in there without the director actually having a reason to put it in there that they wanted to like they wanted to align with a certain i don't know message it felt like a message movie they were doing and then from that because like the actors feel really earnest in the film it feels like it's so out of Maybe you can, like, because of what I've read from the director, and like, like, it seems like they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Like, you can say, like, even if the actors felt earnest, you could still read it like, man, they're still, like, all in on the, this American dream thing, even after, like, all this shit has happened to them. But, like, it feels hard to read it that way because of how much credence it gives to, like, the legitimacy of them feeling that way. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at De Niro, he actually doesn't start singing until like he's probably like the last one singing. Yeah. The reason I I thought this scene was okay was because I I think there was some unsureness by the characters mm-hmm. in how they were singing, and I thought that sort of carried a message and like this makes it a little bit more reasonable. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, I totally see what you're saying. It's just yeah. like I still don't know entirely what to think about it, but it's just like mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I thought about that scene for a while yeah. now. I, I'm, I'm very unsure about it. But I, I did like how the last words spoken in the movie were to Nick. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Those are those are the oh, last yeah, words that, that were said. They, they toast to Nick in, like, like uh, remembrance of him. And that's where I see, like, okay, everyone says this is much more of a movie about relationships and, like, and, like how the Vietnam War really is or, like, how, like, sometimes it affects people. It's just, like seeing from beginning to end like these people and then the journey they went on and then all the relationships in between but I don't know I think it didn't I, I expected so much more just because of how highly acclaimed this is and how it did yeah. win its best picture uh, no I agree I mean that it won it's got a good score <laughs> it does have a pretty good score I have I heard some complaints of people being like yeah the sc- whenever sometimes the score would come in and Undercut some emotional moments, but I didn't really feel that. I didn't feel that. Yeah, I mean, I think I would say overall, I didn't mind the runtime. I think it was shot well. Mm -hmm. I liked some of the sequences where they would just live in this, like, in the milieu that he had created Mm -hmm. of where these characters had come from. Um, I and I think it's really hurt by its. The metaphor it tries to create for violence and just the way it depicts yeah. Vietnamese people. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think you, you, there's some points you can't even say it's a product of its time because even in its time, people had complaints yeah, about it. You can't even say that because yeah. it's like there were lots of people at the time that were like, yeah, this is it's so fucked up. And then Apollo's Now came out the year after that. And it was like. Does, it does <laughs> way yeah, exactly. So. so. Yeah. Th- those those are my final opinions of the Deer Hunter. I probably won't watch this ever again. Well, yeah, it's also three hours long, so yeah, I, d- I had to commit to it. Yeah. So I think I think. Do you have anything else you want to say or? Um, I would say another interesting thing to say about Chimino is like, 
um, the film we made after this Heaven's Gate mm-hmm. um, is like the what ended the new Hollywood era because it just flopped so hard. I heard it was terrible. And it's actually gotten like revived okay. critically um, since then. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it got panned and then it made no money because like at the time he got like complete creative control and a huge budget and stuff. Um, and then that like studios then transitioned to like blockbusters, which we know about the eighties. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, it's interesting to see how he sort of kicked off multiple things and that like he kicked that off and then like this is sort of generally thought of as like one of the originators of like Oscar bait as a yeah. consideration which you know I mean I guess as like a historical piece it's interesting to see how Oscar bait differed in that era I mean as far as Oscar bait goes it's pretty technically well made you know not a lot of the ones now like you know Coda kind of looks like a TV movie. Oh, we're not talking about Coda here. <laughs> we are not talking about that movie. So, um, and Green Book is not like a technical masterpiece by any means. So, um, I mean, it's interesting to see how things have changed a little bit. But um, Okay. Yeah, I mean, just final thoughts. I, I do like a lot of 70s film. I think it's probably one of the, the greatest eras yeah. of cinema. I just... I was expecting so much, obviously, because of the time period it was in. Um, but I'm not familiar with the director's other work, so I didn't know anything going in. But I'm a little underwhelmed, but obviously there's some good parts to everything that I can like take away from. But yeah, I, I would say it's okay. Um, and then I would just go in for some of the acting, some of the performances, really, or what carried the film. Yeah. Um, but and that's, if you're yeah. a John Cazale stan, like, yes. like our, our board member, Natalia, it's a must-watch because, you know, one of his five films. Yeah. One to one, perfect. Perfect best picture. Because <laughs> it's funny because he's in archival footage of what is he actually? Godfather 3, which also got nominated for best picture. Oh my god. So, no, it didn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's for another time. Um, that's okay. crazy. Yeah. He's one of the statistically, probably one of the best actors ever. Yeah. But He was swinging for sure. He was doing great. He was awesome. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all we have for today on The Deer Hunter. Thank you again, PJ, one of the co-presidents here, for coming on. Awesome, for sure. Yeah, I hope to have you back on for another time. But that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. <laughs>